Welcome to Faint Praise. I'm Tony. I'm Eric. And this is a podcast where we watch two similar bad movies and then talk about which one is better. And our theme this week, I feel like I should stop saying week because it's gotten to where we've only done doing this like once a month. This episode. This time around is a... Three Musketeers movies. So and we actually had more than two to choose from. Exactly. I I had three, and I asked Eric his opinion, and because um, I knew I wanted to do the 2011 Three Musketeers movie by Paul W S Anderson. Uh, what I wasn't sure about was if I wanted to pair that against the Man in the Iron Mask with Leonardo DiCaprio, or I discovered a completely forgotten. Um, 1993 version of The Three Musketeers starring, of all people, Charlie Sheen, Oliver Platt, and Kiefer o- fucking and Sutherland. Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> and Chris and don't fucking Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> so I got kind of excited well, that about that one. That was an obvious choice because, first of all, it's more directly relatable. They're both mm-hmm. even called Three Musketeers. So- and the other one, I think, is obviously probably, I don't know, it was just a more like, I don't know. It the, seemed like a more direct comparison. The 2011 one was the obvious choice to me. Because I was yeah. like, this one's obviously going to be bad. It's Paul W.S. Anderson. Right, it's certainly the worst yeah. of the three. And then the other one was a more direct relation. And it was like old and we couldn't remember anything about it. Right. The reason I, I wasn't... remember if I'd seen it or the not. The reason I wasn't sure if you were going to allow us to watch it. And I kind of... I have to admit to... Oh, sort was of, it PG? Yes, it was PG. <laughs> it's obviously was, not surprising watching it, but I mean... The only real difference between that and a PG-13 version that they would make today... Like, Some blood. A little blood smear. Yeah, maybe a little blood smear and like... One F-bomb. Uh, yeah, they didn't... Well, well, I'm assuming the other one was twenty was PG-13. Yes. And it, they didn't use an F-bomb. Right. So, I mean, look, is there really that much of a difference in those two movies? They really didn't feel any difference. Yeah, exactly. So, so I kind of... I made sure not to tell you that because <laughs> I figured you would choose against, vote against it knowing that. I also didn't point out that it was a Disney movie, which I did I, Yeah, know. I didn't notice till the end. So I was, I, was, oh. I was like, oh God, a 1993 rated PG Disney movie. <laughs> he is not going to want to watch this. But I really wanted to because I got like... I'd completely forgotten about this movie, and I got a wave of nostalgia when I rediscovered it, because I was like, I'm pretty sure I saw this movie as a kid, and every time I see Oliver Platt, I'm always wondering what I remember him from. I mean, he's in a bunch of stuff, but I always get some weird back-of-my-head like feeling, and I think it's from The Three Musketeers, uh, which I completely forgot ever watching. So I was excited that Eric chose that one. The reason I felt okay tricking you into watching a PG movie... Uh, a couple reasons. Cause, First, because you're a duplicitous woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I guess three reasons. Second, because same director as Bill and Ted, Interesting. which was also rated PG. Oh, so wow. I was like, well, you know, that's a PG movie that I know is watchable to him. I don't know that you like it as much as I do, but I know you aren't just like, oh my right. God, where's the sex and violence? Like, you can manage it. So it's like, it well, if it's like, not... It wasn't like, what was the, um, not Once Upon a Time, but Mirror, whatever, Mirror. Mirror. Was that PG? That was... That was, that was not the, G. We did not watch it. It must have been PG. Movie. It must yeah. have been PG. I don't know if live action a, can be G. It can, but like with the adult elements of like joking about them taking their shirts off. Even that enough is a enough to bump dude it up. Is probably enough yeah, to, bump to bump it up, up to, to PG. PG. Yeah, so I don't remember, but I knew how devastating that was to you. And, I mean, uh, there's a difference in PG movies between like, like there's a lot of dramas that could technically be PG if they eliminated a little bit of like sexual innuendo and just right. adult themes because you don't need a bunch of like crazy shit and f-bombs to make a movie at least somewhat watchable right right and this so, was mostly pg because it was like based on a 300 or i don't know how many year old book you know yeah uh, 500 year old something like that well the book itself is from the late 1800s but it's about the That's 1600s yeah. so there's you have both elements it's yeah about 500 year old shit and it was written 200 years ago yeah exactly um i also wanted to do it because i wanted to have the chance to shit all over disney if <laughs> if at all possible i don't hate disney but disney it creeps me out uh, yeah. specifically people's like rabid support of disney especially weird adults infatuation with it yeah. yeah like children liking disney like they I hate totally on get. walmart but then they're like all in love with disney right i'm like, like don't disney... you see it's like they're the walmart of the entertainment industry yes exactly it, like and so people defend disney like if you if you talk bad about disney movies especially star wars these days you know people defend it as though they're the underdog and i'm like you know disney doesn't need your fucking help yeah right? exactly they're like 
multi-billion dollar company. So when I come across a bad Disney movie, I kind of like clap my hands a little bit and go, yay, <laughs> they can mess up too. So I wanted to watch this movie for that reason too, but I didn't want to scare Eric away from it. So I didn't point out that it was Disney. But he chose it naturally anyway, so I think I think we all won here or we all lost depending on... I think our scores will be. I I say this. I say both (laughs) these things every time. But these were. There was a little bit difficulty I had in scoring these, and I think we're going to be different on these. I agree with both of those. I also agree. I always try not to say it, but we say it every time. This one, for the first time, this might one aspect of one of these movies. I think was the toughest for me to score ever. I literally. I think I know. I'm going to mark down which one I think that you're saying. Okay. I literally had to score elements separately and average them out to get my score. I think score. I know exactly. And I was thinking the same thing. I think I know exactly which one you're talking about. Actually, I'm just going to say it right now to prove that I know. Okay. It's going to be for the 93 movie. No. No? Damn. No. Okay, never mind. I, I struggled a lot with the acting in the 2011 movie. I was going to say that same thing about the 93 movie. Yeah. The acting, well, acting slash casting score. Yeah. So, and all right. Pro- but I'm, I'm sure it's for the same reasons. Probably, but I literally, I've never done this before, uh, but I literally, for each role, rated it, and then averaged the ratings that I came up with, because I could not decide between two different scores. It's sort of the same reason I was having with the second one. But, I mean, I think there's... Uh, we'll talk about it right. as we so move along. So we started off for once. Uh, we Wait, went first back... of all, what are the Rotten Tomato scores for these? Okay. the um... This is becoming less and less important and meaningful it as really... Rotten Tomato descends into absurdity. Yeah, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, I think, is... Only, Almost useless, basically. Oh, these days, it's. I think it's. I think in twenty seven and twenty twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, it's totally useless. There's way too much. Unless you're just going to take a glance at the audience score and say, "Oh, okay, everyone hates." I this don't even necessarily trust that. I mean, you just people. No, but I mean, if you see much... a movie like when Avengers comes out, if it's like a fifty percent audience score, you're going to be like, "Yeesh." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas crit- if it has a fifty or a hundred percent critic score, it means nothing. It means you nothing. can't read anything. Really into high, that. really high critic right. scores mean nothing. It means that they like some aspect of the behind the scenes movie making it does not mean that they that they right. like and the movie. low it scores might not mean anything either i mean because right. it just means that maybe they are too pretentious to enjoy something or, right or maybe the studio didn't pay or them they enough. all just were like yeah it was okay and so it gets a zero because they all right. they count those as negatives right but within the past year it's gotten really bad about the yeah it was like these like bandwagon type stuff they just all yeah. either want to say good or bad like yeah and i have examples of movies that i liked that happened with movies that i yeah. didn't like well, that like that the, happened the with. bright getting trashed ver- and it wasn't like some gem but like versus huh. star wars and stuff getting like super praised for I, no reason my big example are like lady bird and three right. billboards because yeah. lady we went and saw lady bird i liked a good it movie totally fine movie doesn't deserve to be the highest Is rated a hundred percent perfect <laughs> yeah. no it's just but like, again when you factor in how rotten tomatoes really works they're not saying it's perfect it yeah. means everyone was saying it was above average it used to work a little bit better though did, so that there yeah. used to be more nuanced because some critics would go in there and say you know i felt like it was kind of a waste of my time don't go see it right and and their actual taste factored into it so those would be negative and there'd right. be enough of those that something like Lady Bird would have probably gotten a 75 percent right three quarters of the people will walk in and find this fine and a quarter will find it a waste of their time now since they like that Greta Gerwig directed it and blah 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 right. it gets a hundred percent and right. they they all act like it's the greatest movie ever and you're like it's an average coming of age story told I mean, it's above well. average but it's Oh, you mean the story? Yeah, the yeah. story is average. It's an above average movie, but yeah. hardly per. Anyway, well acted. Not talking yeah, about that movie. yeah. Whereas Three Billboards was total and complete fucking trash, and yeah. somehow all the critics just decided to love ahead it. of time. I think. Yeah, they just they, 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 they saw know the trailers. That, um, what's her name is a great, yeah, that a great actress, and it rips on Appalachian, not Appalachians, but you know, just like redneck America. So they're like, it's okay to kind of i don't know yeah it even, shit all over it because it was yeah. like what europeans think of americans right, but, but then as you're watching it you're it. like these people have never even been to right. this, like to the place that they're trying to parody before and getting weird things not even in a way that like they're making it shittier than it is but just different and like that's not how people would do things right and, or the, how these people really would act it's kind of bizarre right like yes there are racist cops no right. they don't just throw 
white people out of windows because right. they're in a bad mood. Or gay like, people or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, just really And then bizarre. nothing happened to them because of it. Yeah, and I then mean, they maybe, just... Maybe, you know, 50 years ago that shit happened. But... Sure, but it's a mixture. It was right. like mixing actions from a different group of people to a representation of a, a another group of people and it just didn't it didn't mix well and whatever it's bizarre. Um, yeah so anyway rotten i would say that the time frame of the 2011 three musketeers movie is still in a time frame when rotten tomatoes could somewhat sure predict. that was seven years ago yeah 2011 i think it was still I mean, reasonably was pretty fledgling i would guess for rotten tomatoes I don't know. It seems like Rotten Tomatoes was made like mid two thousands, and then they would sort of import critics' reviews from two th- like two thousand before that. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's pretty good from I would say two thousand to twenty sixteen. I like Rotten Tomato scores. Before that, there's not enough reviews. After that, there's too much studio meddling. Yeah. So it was twenty four percent. Um, Seems about right. The 19, honestly, after watching, yeah, the nineteen ninety three Three Musketeers had almost no reviews. It's too early, but it it got a thirty one percent. Okay. Um, so we started off by watching the twenty eleven one first because that was the one that we were less interested in, and we felt like let's get the bad one, right? The most likely worst one out of the way first. And it is a slightly looser adaptation of the Three Musketeers <laughs> Just story. Just slightly, slightly. Um, they, they tried to do like a wild, wild west, like sort right. of like steampunk contraption. So, but only sort of, only a little bit. The it was only so element lazy. was the airships. Yeah. It was like, they didn't really make a new universe other than that one element. Right. And the fact that they had like bizarre booby trap technology that yeah. didn't really exist. Yeah. So but that wasn't in anything else. Yeah. Like there was no element of steampunk type technology and anything except the airships yeah. and booby traps yeah so there's nothing or like and a couple of her kind of uh mission impossible contraptions that she used right right so pretty lazy like a decelerator to jump down the side of a building and shit like that yeah pretty lazy but they they added them in there just to try to differentiate it right uh so it the main character is d'artagnan who is a young musketeer wannabe from the country he gets to paris wanting to be a musketeer but the musketeers have been disbanded by the evil cardinal richelieu right um the king louis of france is just a moppet basically yeah being controlled by richelieu and then they bring in the duke of buckingham played by the most excited orlando bloom that has Has ever ever bloomed yeah (laughs) yeah uh, and so there's this like three-way intrigue going on between Buckingham and Richelieu and the king and the eponymous three musketeers are trying to save France from something. And uh, Mia Jovovich plays Milady, who is a spy who is working everyone against everyone. And the three musketeers are played by, as I have them in my notes, don't know, don't remember, and don't care. <laughs> Um, and D'Artagnan is played Except for by Ray Stevenson. He's the well, he's the who... don't remember. You yeah. know, the the don't know was Matthew McFadden who played Athos. Right. Uh, the Ray Stevenson was the don't remember who I was like, oh, oh, look at him. I didn't remember yeah. he was in this. And then the don't care was Luke Evans who is Aramis. And seriously, who cares about Luke Evans? So <laughs> <laughs> he is the ultimate don't care actor. Um. So. Unless you have more to say about the summary, we can... All right, let's get into our rating system. We have four categories that we rate each movie in. Acting, visual, structure, and entertainment value. We can give up to five points in each category. And whichever movie gets the most points at the end, we consider the better movie. I already gave a preview of the fact that I struggled with this acting score. Apparently, Eric did not struggle as much as I did. Not as much for this one, because I think it was... I think this one had... I don't know, because acting and casting... Yeah. Both these movies had kind of strange casting in certain roles. Most of the char- most of the actors were just bland to me. Right. There I'd were a couple bad one, ones. Yeah, this one. And there were no good ones. No one. No great performances. Yeah. Certainly. The uh, Ray Stevenson was fine. He was the best. Yeah, he didn't have anything too weird that he had to do. Uh, Mia Jovovich was. I didn't. I mean, the character was so bizarre. That it's was... hard to say she was a bad actress, but like it was not a good. Either it was goofy casting, which is hard to tell because it's not like she really had 
anything specific about her that made it weird. Yeah. But it's hard to tell. Would someone else have been more so passable that was, in that role? Or that was, was the role really, just too ridiculous? That was really why I struggled so much with it. Is because I think, and we've said this before, it really affects this movie. I think most of the problems are in the writing of the characters. Right. And I can't imagine, for save a couple of roles, I can't imagine other people having done a really much better job with them. Right. Mia Jovovich was totally neutral to me. Ray Stevenson was the best one, even right. though he was the don't remember, and I still barely remember that he was in it. But he was the one that felt the most natural in the role. The worst was probably, honestly, I didn't like Christopher Wall, Christoph Waltz. He was terrible. This. Yeah. He oh, was he. Terrible. Oh, he did a terrible job. He just was acting poorly. He and wasn't even, happy to be um, in the movie. Mads Mikkelsen wasn't great. In he this. wasn't. He was. Yeah. He was boring. He was right. slightly below neutral. Like I said, I ranked each character. He just didn't. He didn't have any intensity to that character. Should no. have been, but. Uh, but I, that was another one of those like who could have done a better job. To I, me, it was one of these that like the um, individual casting of any particular character. If you just said this is this character, you'd be like, okay. But all my I disagree together, on one. But on which one? I think the main guy, D'Artagnan, was miscast. So I think he should have been. And you even commented yeah. on it. He should have been more of a heartthrob. Um, so the guy that they have playing D'Artagnan, his name is Logan Lerman, and he's, I don't even know why I know his name. I think yeah. I've just heard it before then, and it's memorable. Yeah, so he wasn't great he's either. He's not like, he's not dashing, he's not handsome, he's, when he's trying to be cocky, it just, it comes across as undeserved, because right. he's just like this regular looking and the, kid. The, yeah, and there was no chemistry between like him and that one, the girl. Well, she was, was a terrible actress. Yeah, she, she was, was terrible too. Horrendous. And it was just so, show like, so shoehorned in, like bam, you see the first... A pretty girl he sees, and all yeah. of a sudden they're in love. So, anyways, I um, it was so haphazard casting. Not even necessarily bad for everyone, but haphazard. I put like one and a half. I put two. I struggled. Okay. I put one and a half initially, and then I looked at some of the other movies that I had given a one and a half, and I felt like this, I mean that's fine. I'm me, certainly not going to argue with you. The casting was haphazard, and the thing that kept it from a two to me was that there was no great people boosting it right you know like even the ones who were fine like stevenson they were just fine yeah they didn't like rise up everyone else's performance they did not or, elevate or anchor the material it. It didn't like anchor the movie with a great performance by blank it's you know? fine i'm certainly not going to argue with you on that one given that i had to fucking do a mathematical formula to and decide what i even between like the musketeers himself was nothing nothing non-existent yeah. yeah i just i was looking at like the fact that i gave you know rollerball a one and a half and yeah I was like okay this movie isn't yeah like, the acting mean, isn't as bad as not nearly as bad. I had to step away and say, if I was watching this movie completely as a layperson, yeah. would the acting bother me? Right. And on average, I had to say no. So, true. except for D'Artagnan and Christoph Waltz. I think one and a half might be a little hard for that reason. Like, yeah. you're not distracted by it. I, Let's I, put it that yeah. way. We, we have to focus on it because we have to rate it. Right. But I would say, just sitting in the theater, I wouldn't, for the most part, have been but really angry. including the casting and the chemistry, yeah. I yeah, bumped I, it down. I, I can't argue with you. I just, in the end, decided I had to give it a little, little bit more credit. And being that we, that. like, yeah, we do half points, but we still, for bad acting... Since we're doing really, we're we're saying three is like a benchmark of decent, nothing remarkable, pretty much either way. Just they, they, you know, they took care of it. We used it's to say that. Slightly at, above yeah, average, we I used think. to say that at the beginning. I think I've dropped that to two and a half in my mind. I mean, that is we rarely point. ever. That is the yeah, halfway point. Yeah, we rarely ever give. So three threes, is like yeah. you'd say it, the acting was good. I yeah. guess it wasn't. I noticed it was it slightly was above average. Yeah. I guess, but anyway, so that only really gives you from like one because anything beneath one is abysmal. Like it's pretty rare. <laughs> it's pretty rare to have a decently budgeted movie that's going to have terrible actors in it. That acting like one level. Yeah, the acting is the easiest thing to get right is what I've noticed in these movies because you can have a good actor in a bad movie it's tough to have a bad actor in a good movie because a bad actor will bring a a good movie down so what my point is between like one and two and a half is where we have to put most of these movies Mm -hmm. so yet one and a half that's the same score as something that has much worse acting like Rollerball but Mm -hmm. there's not a ton of nuance available in these scores right Right. And besides, this isn't like a scientific, we're just trying to give a general idea of what the yeah. stuff is. Yeah. I do have to, again, give special shout out to Orlando Bloom because he yeah. was just... He was trying. Like, I was, it was honestly the most like animated that it he's really was. ever been in a role. He was, so, he was such a ridiculous mustache twirling villain that right. literally every line he said started off with, mm. He was like, like yes. yes, well, I think well. that we need to... <laughs> when they get here, and, we'll finish them off more. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he never is like that in any other movie. Normally, he just is like furling his brow and being earnest. Pensive and yeah. Yeah. And so they gave that role to Luke Evans, who is basically just another version of Orlando Bloom, slightly more weathered looking. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. He does look like him, sort of. Yeah. I was actually talking with someone recently about uh, how as Orlando Bloom's star fell, like Luke, Luke Evans, Evans sort of rose. And they've been in, like, now they've been in this movie together. They were in the Hobbit movies together. Like, yeah, I'm surprised they've never played brothers. They are just very, they're very similar, like, vibes and looks. And, yeah. like, anyway. Um, so, moving on from acting to visuals. I didn't give this one a lot of thought. It's like, as per, much I thought as I gave. On this one. As much thought as I gave acting, I yeah. kind of, like, skipped over visuals because I was like, ah, whatever. I said two. I said one and a half again. Yeah. Because. Based mostly on a lot of the choice stuff, mm-hmm. like the airship stuff was so dumb, you know? Yeah. And like the flipping entrapment style through like basically laser beams yeah. and all this other dumb, like there are a lot of the costumes and sets and stuff were done well. I even remarked when we were watching it that this must've been an expensive movie to make mm-hmm. because there wasn't a ton of like totally digital stuff. Yeah. At least if they did, they did a D. De- like, of course, when the airships are in the air, that's completely digital and everything. But yeah. a lot of, there it was, was a lot of practical. physical yeah. effects. Yeah. And actual sets, intricate costumes, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So that part was good, but just overall, it was just so cheesy. And yeah, I I think I gave it a two because I mostly didn't remember. There was a lot of like yeah. distracting visuals and oh, see, and I felt like yeah, you're right. The only was, thing going and, on and in the this sense movie that I was mean, the visuals. like like snapping yeah. you out of yeah out of it. Where, there was a lot of like blowing up and explosions, right. and I remember there was this one part when D'Artagnan. Uh, is deciding to go off to Paris. It has a little scene with him and his parents. And as he's riding off away from his parents, the movie had been so ridiculous and over the top looking from that point. I expected his parents to be waving to him and then just Standing blow up. on the hilltop and then just yeah, explode. Just explode like they were in a Mel Brooks movie <laughs> or something. And when they didn't, I cracked up because I was like, well, what was even the point of that scene? Every other scene is just to set up some kind right. of explosion or contraption and part of my score is not necessarily based on just how the visuals are in a vacuum but like how well they the, accomplish they accomplish what you want and how yeah. well the movie it, or how good the movie is because of it yeah. and how they treat the ideas and it just doesn't work so how well it works basically is again i don't think your score is overly low half a point off. in general i harsh, tend to score things higher than you anyway yeah. so i think we're kind of on track for basically keeping in the same zone right right moving on to structure one and a half across I said one the board. And a half. Yeah, this one was pretty weak. There were the story was even to the point where we kept having to ask our, each other questions, like, "Wait, why doesn't they do this? Or why doesn't this just happen?" And other stuff like that, and things that just didn't make a lot of sense. Well, like I like really I mentioned, like I mentioned my summary, there was a three-way fight going on. There was a fight between England and France. And then there was infighting between two French people. Right. And then, Richelieu like, and the, yeah. right. So England wasn't getting along with either of the French people, the king or the cardinal. Right. And then, of course, it, it just the whole thing, I was like, so everybody's against everybody. Eventually, somebody would team up with the other side. So it's like when you have three way fighting, no one can trust anyone. And of course, Milady, the Miljovovich character, right. is just in the middle of all of it, playing everyone against everyone. And I was just like, Wait, this is just too. Yeah, this is too much and not enough at the same time. They and everything. Every time they did anything, they took the most complicated solution possible right. to doing it. You know, instead right. Of and there's an easy solution available, just easily available. Like we were, we they they have these two airships. They're basically blimps with ships on the bottom. Right. And at one point, they're firing cannons at each other for and like they ten n- minutes and they, at the hulls, and they don't. No one thinks of throw a knife or shoot at the airbag. Yeah, they could have shot one of their muskets at the airbags, right. and it, like, and then the whole thing just falls out of the air. And eventually, that's exactly what happens. The, but they make us watch ten minutes of, of a stupid cannon and explosions, fight first. and not a single piece of shrapnel or cannonball hits their airbag. Right. So stuff and that, like, there was yeah. a weird part. This was goes to writing, so it is structure. Right then, when they show up, the bad guy shows up with his airship. And uh, D'Artagnan's love interest is strapped to the front. And he and um, Aramis start arguing about like what they should do. And they're almost like arguing for the other person's position. And I'm like, yeah. wait, so wait, you're arguing that we should ignore the girl. And you're arguing that we should. It took me a second to realize like yeah. exactly how this conversation was going. And I'm like, wait, you're arguing for the other thing. And then the... The solution really that D'Artagnan came up with, I was, was like... terrible because it, it was obvious how bad it I was. I called it immediately because he right. was like, oh, I'll bring you the MacGuffin, the necklace right. that you want. 
And you put the girl back on our ship and said, as soon as you go on his ship, he's just going to shoot the other ship down because he right. doesn't give a shit. Of, of course. And, and then that's, that's exactly what, happened, what happened. And he's all like taken off guard by right. it. So, so just dumb. stuff like that. The characters were extremely weakly written. The dialogue was not good. Yeah, like Eric said, we didn't always know what was going on. So when D'Artagnan got to Paris and he's looking for the musketeers to join them, it wasn't clear to me if the musketeers had been disbanded or if these particular three musketeers were just disgraced. Because that's all they ever said. And they didn't really give you an idea. They were like, oh, budget cuts, harumph, harumph. Almost literally, they were like, budget cuts, different rules, you know, we got to do other stuff now. But then they were still talking about missions and stuff as musketeers. Are you not being paid? What's supposed to be happening Right, and the musket, like the the eponymous three musketeers were still doing musketeer stuff. They were like acting as cops. One point there was a stupid scene where he like, yeah, wrote him a ticket. And Eric was like, how would you possibly (laughs) follow up on a ticket in the 1600s? He doesn't even know who the hell this guy is. His horse doesn't have a VIN number on them. And right. obviously, they were just doing it, it was for some joke, yeah. gag, but that's kind of how this movie was. Right. And that's dumb. You yeah. Know? Like, it's not that's a good not joke. not a good gag. It just kind of sets a really bizarre picture of this universe that you're building. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And so- they had a lot of weird shit where they would fight all these guys. They killed like 40 of the uh, the Cardinal's guards. Right. Literally. And then they. Uh, and then the king is like, I well, shall they were like, we punish are- you with new outfits. You well, know? <laughs> not, not even that. I'm talking yeah. about where they. um Right afterwards, like, we need to get out of here. They're going to come back soon and kill us. And then, where are we going? Let's go home. Yeah. And then they just sat at home. <laughs> yeah. And, like, presumably these people know where they would live. Yeah. And eventually they do show up at their house. Right. And they're like, oh, shit. Right. Makes no fucking sense. Yeah, so you just killed 40 of the Cardinal's guards. Right. You know you need to hide from him. So you hide at home. And then you are surprised when the Cardinal's <laughs> right. guards show, show up, up at your home to take you in Well, it was even punished. worse than that, though, because... They go, they basically, the king says, you know, slaps him on the wrist, says it's no big deal, don't do it again. Because he's fighting with Richelieu, right. with the and cardinal. His, and yeah. the musketeers are his guys, and they kick the cardinal's guy's ass. So he's, yeah. and, But then they go home, the cardinal's guys show up anyway. Yeah. At their home. Yeah. So it makes no sense. Right, right. It's just things were just happening and you could tell they would happen just so they could have another scene where Mia Jovovich jumps over or under something. And her character was very poorly written. Uh, yeah. You have no sympathy. You don't even really know... I mean, this is by design that you don't really know who she's supposed to be yeah. for. But in the very beginning, they set her up as backstabbing Luke Evans and all the original Three Musketeers, mm-hmm. but somehow not killing them, even though that would have made them Well, the that was why sense. I picked up on that and you didn't. I picked up, I was like, they are making, they're trying to make her kind of sympathetic. But they did a terrible job of it. But that. yeah, she's playing all sides against each other. But I knew and you didn't that she's married to the director. Right. And I was like, okay. He basically just makes movies so that she can be in them. Right. Uh, he's made like five or six Resident Evil movies, <laughs> probably only just for her. Right. Um, he's not going to put his wife in this role that's going to make her look bad. Uh, so yeah, yeah so, she would, so she would. So she would backstab. To be a realistic bad or yeah. villain. Or so even she would antagonist. backstab, but then she wouldn't kill the people that she just backstabbed. She would leave them alive, but then they would come after her later. So of course that character would kill them, you know. And then at one point, and then she basically dies. But then, and I called it. I was un- like, I was like, the last scene is going to be her coming back right. to life. She falls out yeah. of an airship from. 3,000 feet in the air and then yeah. lands in the water. Yeah. Like people die after jumping in the Golden Gate Br- off the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. let alone falling out of it. But I knew it. I was like, this airship. is this is the director's wife. He wants her to be in the last scene. He wants right. to show you that she survived and to set up further movies. Yeah, with they her. tried to set up a sequel because they had her survive and then the um, Buckingham's character have made a bunch more airships and stuff. Right. Which, again, this is um, a question that maybe I'm just being stupid. But in the very beginning, the thing that she. Um, actually betrays them over is them stealing the plans f- of the airship who did they steal them from uh the italians i had to look that up because so i didn't the italians know that either just didn't have one they stole it from leonardo, it da, leonardo da vinci vault. yeah and that was not at all clear no the and movie. then they're like because no the, the english and the french then were like haha now we can build these airships and I was like, wait, so who had it? And they don't have the airships already? They just had a plan to why build them? Why didn't Italy build Yeah, why the did they airships? have any? Yeah, if everyone knew that these existed, why didn't the Italians the plans, build them? which yeah. were just a drawing of it. <laughs> Where, like, literally, it was a one-page scroll yeah. of the drawing of the airship. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, airships. That's yeah. a great idea. Like, yeah. you don't have to steal if you know what the plans are. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. They didn't even make it, like, a book or a multi-page scroll. Yeah. It literally was a one-page scroll that showed it from, like, different 
directions. Yeah, so I mean, dumb. that's emblematic of everything. So in then this the Italians movie. are like, damn, just... I we guess we should have built one of those things. Well, the Italians didn't even exist as a country or character. There was not a movie. single person it other was... than a few guards that they took out. It existed in as a vault that right. they broke into that then had some booby traps that Mia Jovovich then jumped under and over at the same time. Right. So, and then while her oh, cleavage was me... jostling, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was the whole point of that. Yeah, what cleavage she has. Yeah. The, um, their plans for these things are basically just to defeat whatever they have to. <laughs> yeah. So like the plan in the beginning was Ray Stevenson's part of this plan was to get captured and then just tear the chains out of it. He tears <laughs> the chains out of it because it shows him like the other guys infiltrating the, the place. It shows him being chained up. And he's like, my plan was to, this was my plan to get captured or something. Yeah. And they're like, what? And then he just literally tears the chains out of the wall and proceeds to beat people with them. Yeah. So I'm like, this is your plan? It's like, wait, I'll get captured. And then using superhuman strength, yeah. I'll rip the chains out of the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not that... It's not a That's good not plan. a plan. Yeah. What if um, what if that just didn't actually work? Yeah. Or there were four people with muskets standing there while you ripped the chains out of the wall and they just shot you. Yep. And you couldn't whip them with the chains. Yep. And then when they get to the vault, there's these weird um uh guns that just fire if, if you step on the floor. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out how they set off half the guns by throwing something on the floor. Yeah. And instead of just throwing a bunch of shit on the floor until all the guns have gone off, they're sitting there like, oh no, what do we do? Yeah. And Mia Jovovich just basically runs through the hallway. She just outruns and like, oh, the guns. It, yeah, that's it. We'll just <laughs> go past it. Yeah. It's like in the Matrix. Like, fly above it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, we'll just, we'll just fly above it. Okay, okay. Yeah. That was Matrix 3, by the way. He never saw it. Uh, yeah, there's a reason I never saw it because the second one pissed me off so much. Yeah. So um, what do you say out of entertainment? Because it's structure. That was all structure shit. I was not entertained. I gave it a one and a half. I said one and a half. I gave one and a half all across the boards. Yeah. I, board. it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't by far the most difficult movie to watch. Yeah. It wasn't boring in the sense that you're like, oh my God, I hope this is over. It's just stupid. Yeah. It wasn't too long. Things were constantly happening. You don't care so, about the characters. Yeah. You just, it, it was just not an engaging no, movie at engaging. all. I would not watch it again ever. Yeah. yeah. So I get to run through the scores again. I gave it two, two, one and a half, one and a half for a total of seven. I give six. One and a half's across for a total of six. Okay. So we were not too far off. So the total for that movie is 13. Oh, I had one more note that I forgot to say. I, I think this is both, I think it's more acting, but probably a little yeah. bit structure too, is the accents in this movie are all over the place. Right, because you have a couple British. It's it's a completely most random. American. It's a, no, it's a completely random yeah. mixture of British and American. Yeah. So the, so the original three musketeers are all British, but D'Artagnan is American. Mia Jovovich is American. Uh, like Duke of Buckingham obviously is British. Right. Like Christoph Waltz he's is just nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just his own weird right. voice going on. Mads Mikkelsen is also more American. Well, he's like, got his English with like his Swedish accent yeah, or whatever. He, yeah, so, whatever mild accent he normally has. So a lot of times it's confusing, and especially since everybody's fighting everybody. Is he and German you can't... or what? What is he actually? Ooh, he might. He's Danish, I believe. Okay, I, yeah. Because Mikkelsen isn't really a German. No, either. I think he's from Denmark. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, so it's kind of confusing as to who's on what side at right. points. Because they're not like, French. And even one of them says, the guy says something and he says, in French? Yeah. <laughs> and then he repeats himself in a more like, cons or clear manner. He's basically, yeah. the gag is that he's saying like, in English, please. Because the guy's using jargon. Yeah. But he says, in French. And then he, but he's speaking that in English. That confused me and so much. I had to explain yeah. it to you. I'm like, I think what they're going for. Yeah. I is, did not get the joke. <laughs> yeah. But, but you were dumb. completely right. That's what it was. But the accents were so bizarre. So, I mean, those people, it was Luke Evans and D'Artagnan. So they're both yeah. just American speaking. Uh, Luke Evans had his British oh, accent. Oh, you're right. He did. Yeah, he did. But D'Artagnan... So one guy's speaking English with a Brit British accent. The other guy's speaking English with an American accent. And he's like, in French, please. Yeah. And then he repeats it in English yeah. in a di more obvious way. So Yeah, yeah. So sorry to derail us, but I just... I had that that's as a note. And I wanted to... Yeah, so that's how this whole movie is. It's just like right. no, no real thought for the details and just get it up there, get it done, put it out, see what happens. And it wasn't... It, it was not technically a hit so you actually mentioned the budget it's not as it's probably not as high as you think what? it was the budget for the 2011 
was um, $75 million. That's about what I would have guessed, like $80 okay. million or something. Yeah. And it made internationally $132 million, but given so like break likely, even. it probably was break-even or slightly under. Yeah. And you could tell at the end they set it up to have sequels, and, and never there have gonna, never been any never sequels. Be, no one yeah. cared enough about this one. So... I honestly mo- barely knew about this movie. Yeah, I... um. I don't remember how I even came across it. I mean, I just kind of... I don't of, remember it coming out in theaters. I spend a little time trying to research movies that had remakes or are from novels or something so that I can figure out how to match movies up with each other. I think I just came across it because I was... I actually think I came across Man in the Iron Mask first. Yeah. And I was like, shit, wasn't there a Three Musketeers movie somewhat recently? And then it just came across the 1993 one that way. So, all right. Speaking of 1993... Let's move on to that one. Um, this one hues more closely to the novel in that it doesn't have too much like weird steampunk stuff. Right. It's just basically pretty straightforward. Uh, this one is England really hard France, for me to score. Yeah, England and France are on the brink of war. Uh, Richelieu is trying to control the king of France, so he disbands the musketeers in favor of his guard from what i remember this one more obviously more closely follows the book i looked it doesn't up the have book. any ridiculous shit I in there but can confirm yeah. so i looked up the i looked up the book this one uh, i mean it's not like exactly right. like the book but it, it is closer There's no airships obviously right no airships in that the the eponymous three musketeers are rebels of the disbanded musketeers d'artagnan you know just wants to show up and be part of them um and they have to they have to help basically the king of france get out from under richelieu's um uh treachery right also involving milady the spy who in the book actually did used to be married to um aramis athos aramis is the religious one porthos is the strong one right oh yeah because in this one the religious one is charlie sheen (laughs) (laughs) talk about casting Yeah, so let's go right into it then. All right. Acting so, and casting. That's what was made this one so difficult, is there was a few things that were really we, goofy like that. We are going to be very different on this, I think. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because overall, it was, it was, yeah, it was weird. What did you put? I gave it a three. I said two and a half. Okay, okay. Because I it was, was, there was, it was not bad acting by any means. Right. And there were a couple that were really, like, not memorable per se, but like Tim Curry Tim was Curry enjoyable. Tim Curry is a fucking yeah. delight. <laughs> Every, I mean, I think that can be said across the board for anything he's right. in. When he is on screen, you are riveted, you are. And uh, you know who also thought they did a good job? Who? The King. Yeah. I think he did a yeah, he was, under, not underrated because no one he was cares. Fine. But I mean, for such a small role. In it, King Karen to, Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. Compared to the one in the um, in the other movie. Oh, God. This, he yeah. did a great job of being the one who's like, okay, he's a young kid. He's inexperienced, but he's not a bad guy. He yeah. kind of knows what's going on, but doesn't know what to do about it. He's not and incompetent. He's, he's not. Yeah. He's, he's, he's very rela- young. Right. He's relatable. And you're sympathetic to he, what he's lacking confidence, but and not they did intelligence. A, a way much better job of getting the idea across about how he's infatuated or has a crush on quote his wife yeah both you know? of them did that right which i guess you know is from the book probably probably but i don't remember because both it. of them did it so i think it right. must have but and they it, it seemed as such a bizarre i the way they did it in the first movie you were like wait aren't these people married because it seemed yeah. like he was talking about someone that he'd never even met right and in this one he was just awkward around her and it's like i actually really like her but yeah. you know he's trying to make sure she thinks he's a good leader and all this other stuff they did yeah. a much better job it was it. more that he wanted to impress right. her and win her affection and less that he was like i'm so nervous to talk to my wife yeah exactly which was how the first one was right and um casting was i don't want to say random for the musketeers it it made more sense there was definitely more chemistry between the group of them yes so i'd say um oliver platt was a little bit of a weird choice same he sold it though he He had some funny lines they all worked yeah Yeah, he had some funny lines that i he wasn't bad by any means charlie sheen was probably the the most interesting choice he was also specifically just because he was the religious he was simultaneously the most and least interesting he was it is interesting because now that we know how Charlie Sheen ends up in life, I was just thinking life, I don't know if it would seem that weird if we watched it back then. I don't think. But it knowing would. now what we know about Charlie Sheen, it's it's a hilarious that he's, that he's like, like the religious, the religious one. one. They so, should have made him Kiefer Sutherland's character. I, I think. I don't know. Except I thought Kiefer Sutherland did a good job. He did a good that. job. I yeah. just think like 
if you're going to put Charlie Sheen in it, it makes more sense to make him one of the other So let's ones. back up and explain a little bit about what these character traits are supposed to be so that people who right. haven't watched the movie can get a feel for how we're talking about the casting is good. So uh, Athos is, I wouldn't call him the leader, but he is... He's, like the mo- seems to be the mo- mature senior kind of of them. Yes. The more so reserved. He is the one who is supposed to have had his heart broken by Milady the Spy. So right. he is bitter, he's gruff, He's kind of a, he's, they're all heavy drinkers, but he's, he's the one who's like trying to forget his past, get over his past and is the most driven to do stuff for France in order to overcome how upset he was in the past. Duty bound kind of. Porthos is the clown. So he's supposed to be the strong man. He's supposed to be the funny guy. He's not really supposed to be the brains of of the operation. He's just, he's just the clown. And then Aramis is basically like an ex-priest. So he's the most straight and narrow one. And that (laughs) was the Charlie Sheen role. I was really worried. One of the things I thought was going to happen in this, seeing that Charlie Sheen was in it, and it was the same year as Hot Shots Part Deux, I... And this happened in the other movie we watched with him, which was... Terminal Velocity. Yes, I almost said Vertical Linux, fucking Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this happened with Terminal Velocity, where putting Charlie Sheen in the main role, it just felt like he was doing a Hot Shots character. Right. I thought that was going to happen with this, and it didn't. He just played it completely straight, and he was the most boring character, I would say. Right. Except that it's so funny to now For watch. For us to yeah. watch it now. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I would say Kiefer Sutherland did fine. We were cracking up because his character is supposed to have a drinking problem. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, if you know anything about Kiefer Sutherland, right. you know the, it's something like four DUIs or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something crazy. There was one point where he's driving a carriage. They're running away from people chasing them. And they've gotten into a carriage that had a bunch of alcohol in it. And the, the joke, the yeah, Porthos is supposed to be like the biggest alcoholic. So he's like trying to pass wine to Keith or Sutherland who's driving the carriage. And, and he's like, no, get away from me. And he's turning it down. I was like, bitch, please. When has he ever turned down a drink while he was behind the wheel? <laughs> exactly. And then, and then two seconds later, he's like, okay, fine, give it yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. And grabs it. So we know. were cracking up at that. So the casting was sort of unintentionally hilarious. I would right. say, uh, we already talked about Tim Curry's awesome. Even this movie's version of the Mads Mikkelsen character, which was yeah. Tim Curry's uh, right-hand man, the head of his guard, the did a pack. much, much yeah. better job than Mads Mikkelsen. He... I mean, he's kind of practiced at playing yeah, that role. Yeah, that's though. the role that this guy does all the time. He plays a so. similar, similar role in Count of Monte Cristo and actually Robin Hood um, a couple of years earlier. Right. So he's he's a good dirty bad guy. Henchman. Head henchman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I was. <laughs> it's and the funny. woman. I mean, the my lady character that yeah, made it. This too. is more writing, I guess, but it yeah. was much more of a sympathetic. You understood why she was doing what she, they had a better backstory for why she was right. forced into the life of crime or something sort of. Right, right. So I would say, uh, as with the the other one, the most questionable character was probably D'Artagnan himself. Yeah. I I was commenting because I had been bitching during the while we were watching the 2011 movie that the guy wasn't attractive enough. He just wasn't like filling. He just wasn't fitting in this role of this. Uh, this dashing young heartthrob. So with Chris O'Donnell See, in the Chris role, I, it was so funny because I was like, oh, well, you know, at least he kind of looks the part more. And then Eric said, unfortunately, he's still Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah. you no, know, you're like, he looks like something. He also is Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> <Yeah>. unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, okay. So you said two and a half? For acting and casting, yeah. All right. Yeah, I can't argue with that too much. I was just a little bit more delighted by Tim Curry, probably, yeah. than you were. Moving on to visuals. This one was hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what'd you say? I said two and a half again. I said two and a half also. Because I think the visuals were fine. They were, for, and I had to look at this for what they were. Obviously, nothing that dramatic is happening visual, but the only alternative is to do like the other movie and, oh, we'll just throw an airship in there to try yeah. and make this cooler. You can't really do that. If you're making a movie about the Three Musketeers, that's what it should look like, probably. You know, right. they didn't do anything unrealistic they had a decent amount of the sword fighting and all that shit everything looked realistic and true to the period and all that stuff except some ridiculous 90s uh kind of hairstyles i was laughing because the lady had like bangs and a fucking rat tail and one dress she was wearing (laughs) at one point for like her um execution ceremony like oh my god it's most 90s dress ever yeah oh jesus looked like stuff i wore as a as a flower girl in like (laughs) my family's weddings in the 90s yeah 
So, so stuff like that, obviously, some of it's dated, but any movie with Chris O'Donnell just instantly gets that oh, feeling. Oh, Jesus. His, his <laughs> Charlie face. Sheen and Chris O'Donnell, you're, okay, you're in the 90s. It is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And like, Chris O'Donnell's face, face is always yeah, kind of like, like <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a, he looks like a uh, South Park character. Like right. his mouth is always kind of open and smiling. Like, whoa. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I completely agree with you. Two and a half. The fight scenes were not thrilling by any means, no. but they were competently done. And they weren't ridiculous and people doing crazy backflips everywhere. I appreciated that the actors seemed to do a lot of their own stunts. There weren't a lot of stunts to do. Obviously but these not days, a CG problem back then. Right, right. These days, as CG is taking over more and more of the acting job. Even the people are presented you know, digitally most right. of the time. Right. They don't even fucking bother with stuntmen anymore. Right. Almost. And, it, and you can usually tell the problem right right so this one i was they showed chris o'donnell like riding a galloping horse i went hey at least they fucking put him He's on actually a horse. riding a horse a marvel movie would just cg that shit right and like or show the horse from the back and like just, or just dummy have the camera yeah. like, swooping around and doing all this weird shit right a lot of quick cuts a lot yeah. of edits but uh the no so the action was serviceable costumes were fine it was mostly just not not a movie that you would really remember for the way that it looked for the most part all right. How'd you feel about the structure? This one was another tough one because there weren't any glaring problems that I noticed. Yeah. But overall, and I this is probably related to the fact that it was PG and I didn't know it. Yeah. It just it la- definitely lacked intensity. Yeah. And so I put two. I said two also. Uh, because it, they, they could have made it a lot more compelling. Yeah. Because they didn't really give you a strong re- like mission for them. Yeah. Yes, they have their mission that they're doing, but it was just felt... Compelling is the right word. Yeah, it it's wasn't not compelling. As compelling enough. So I can't fault the characterizations. Those were pretty good. They were yeah. a lot better than the first one, than the 2011 one. Um, the characterizations were fine. You liked your characters. You wanted them to win. But beyond that, it was tough to get involved in the plot. I think that might actually be a fault of the book because as I was right. reading about I think the they book, followed I was like, it pretty closely. I was like, this is not something that appeals to modern sensibilities. We yeah. don't care about kings. We don't care about cardinals. Right. You know, they're kind of all the same to us. I don't care which one wins. I'm in the future, so I fucking know that France and England get along now. So right. I don't <laughs> care about war between France and England. Uh, you know, to watch a king fret over whether his wife likes him or not. Right, is it's kind of goofy. Yeah, it's, it's just, just an antiquated type of thing. It, it is. So it's a tough story to get beyond. I think they probably did about what as good they a could. job you can with it. Yeah, yeah, probably. In all honesty, unless you wanted to get grittier and more visually appealing, which would probably get your rating to PG thirteen or R. There's right. not a hell of a lot more you're going to be able to do with this. I will say the reason I gave it to some things fell into that trap of happening just to happen right. instead of actually having an organic reason for them in the story. For example, the way that Milady meets up with D'Artagnan, he's writing to... Uh, oh, he finds out about the oh, Cardinal's yeah, plot totally somehow. Goofy. And he finds out there's a spy, but he doesn't know who it is. So he's riding his horse in the middle of the night to try to get somewhere to tell someone about the plot. And he passes out. And the milady's carriage just happens to find him on the ground. And she goes, that boy's cute. I want to fuck him when he wakes up. Yeah. So she like puts him in the carriage, brings him back to her place. And then when he wakes up and she tries to fuck him, he's like, oh, I'm looking for a spy. And like spills his guts about like, everything. Well, I'm the spy. So we have to kill you now. Right. And then the musketeers just show up at her house. Somehow they know. Yeah. And be. Eric was like, how did they know where he was? <laughs> right. You how know? did they know where to be? He just got picked up by a stranger on the road because he was cute. And at that point, there's no reason to believe that they knew she was a spy. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't even know she was like, alive. Sutherland, yeah, I thought she was dead and was shocked to see her again. Right. So there were there was also another point where the musketeers have been ambushed, or just two of them, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Chris O'Donnell, have been ambushed by the Cardinal's guards, and they're in this these woods, and they're like hiding behind trees as the as the guards are shooting at them. And Kiefer Sutherland tells D'Artagnan, "Go, you need to go take this information somewhere." Right. And the understanding is that there are so many people... That whoever that, stays is going to definitely die. Right. And uh, so then D'Artagnan does go, and then later, Kiefer Sutherland He's just, just shows back. up. Yeah, they never He's just show, They fine. never tell you how he defeated them. Right. So, <laughs> or how he got out of so there. So stuff like that that you're like, eh, that's kind yeah. of lazy I mean, writing. that could be one of those things where a, del- a scene deleted for time and something would have made a little more sense possibly maybe it was another but, fight scene that they felt like they just didn't need um yeah there was also, there was a few elements of that we where also they never, show up and, we never even knew what happened to the cardinal so yeah he at the end the king he ostensibly like dies from being pushed out of a rowboat <laughs> yeah he's punched out of a rowboat and then never seen again yeah but it's just like a, the 
Kid King punches him. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe he was knocked out and drowned in his robes. Yeah, Eric's I mean, like, that's pretty realistic. It'd be tough to do yeah. that to uh, swim like, in those robes. If you try to these big, if you're knocked out, you're fucking done. If I was you like, I really don't think the movie intended no. for him to die by being punched once. Presumably he got arrested or something, I guess. But they, but they never, didn't never showed anything They never like show that. it. So stuff like that. It's not, it's not the strongest structure for the movie, but it's less insulting than the Who other one. Who is the queen? Oh, the queen was that other girl that I couldn't remember what she was in. Yeah, so um, in the end, wrapping it up with an entertainment score, what'd you give it? I gave it two. I gave it two and a half. I, I had was... to give it a, it was definitely, and this makes some sense to me now that it was the PG rating, was yeah. just not enough to really keep, it was not gritty and compelling enough. Yeah, at, at one point I looked over and Eric was firmly glued to his phone and I was like, <laughs> do you want to finish this tomorrow? Yeah, because individually there was nothing I could really re- score badly, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't engaging yeah. as much as I felt like it should be based on how high these other scores were. I was reasonably entertained. I was neutrally entertained. It yeah. was it was something that I was like, I'm okay while I'm watching this. I also think I would have been more entertained if the story hadn't been so close. Obviously, they're from the same book. Yeah. So these movies are very similar in story arc. Yeah. Like the, the certain missions they give them, like the jewels versus the, the uh, treaty or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Um, are different, but other than that, they follow a very similar. The MacGuffins story. are different. Yeah, yeah. So it's we've it's like we j- literally just watched this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that made it a little harder to watch. Yeah, yeah. It and was... Especially when this one was less even gritty than not that the first one was gritty by any means. Yeah. But it was less of a um, action movie. Yeah, I probably should not even less than I had as much action, yeah. but it was just PG action. I probably should have given us a day in between yeah. for Eric's sake. I was fine watching the two of them back to back, but I tend to be. So a little I may bit have given more... it a two and a half. I honestly wrote down two and a half two, and, and then, then eventually just picked with two. Yeah. I went back and forth a few times. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, yeah. Okay, so running through all of the scores, I gave it three, two and a half, two, two and a half for a total of ten, which is actually fairly high. I gave it a two and a half, two and a half, two and two for a total of nine. Yeah. So we were off by one point, both of us. Honestly, these. it was one of the easier movies that we've done, I think, yeah. as far as getting through it and being, I would call it lightly enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I, it was significantly better than I thought it would be. I figured it would be better than... The 2011 version? Yeah, so did I, because it doesn't have all that ridiculous. I thought it, given that it was PG, I thought it was going to be way more kitty. Way more kitty. And I... Yeah, luckily it did not come across as childish. Yeah. No, no, it didn't. I thought that casting was going to be a bigger issue than it was. I really thought Charlie Sheen was just going to just hot shots all over this. Right. And he didn't. (laughs) He played it totally straight. Um, I figured Chris O'Donnell would be ridiculous, but he wasn't as ridiculous as I expected. Right. Um... And he 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 is he was at least cute, so I was happy about that. Given that the first one they didn't even fucking get that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, in the Should, end, oh, write a letter to that guy. Be better looking next time. You oh. fuck. <laughs> I shouldn't be so mean. He's not like some hideous troll. Yeah, right? <laughs> He's just kind of a normal looking. It's not like it was Edward dude. James almost as <laughs> D'Artagnan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so mean. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like sloth from the Goonies. Right. There you guys. But Three duos. Yeah, but uh, he just was not. He, he just, he, he, classic case of miscasting. So I think that is going to do it for us this yep, week. Yep, yep, yep. Or this month or this this fortnight. <laughs> however this iteration. Long, yeah, however long it is before we get to another one of these. If you want to get in contact with us, the email address is faintpraisepodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at me at faintpraisetj. So thank you for listening and hopefully you will join us next time. See ya.